Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Nicholas. Nicholas is a very big Dark Souls fan and uh, loves to do challenge runs. Um, I've seen some of his YouTube stuff going through uh, Dark Souls 3 DLC at <laughs> Soul Level 1, and it's insane. Uh, quick apology to Nicholas. We recorded this a long time ago, and due to some factors that are out of his control and all to blame on me, uh, it's coming out very late. So you're actually going to hear us kind of theorizing of what the Dark Souls 3 DLC could be. So again, that's all me. Um, a couple of other it notes. There's some audio issues at the first, about the first 10 minutes or so, and then uh, those will clear out and kind of go away. Um, so just kind of bear with me through that. And also, there's a segment that I ended up leaving in that I originally thought I was going to cut out that's not really related to Dark Souls very much. Um, it's more related to me meeting some of the Duck Feed guys down in Austin a few months back. Um, but we kind of it blends right back into Dark Souls once we start talking about Lobos. So I went ahead and left it in. It's only about five minutes, and I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, thanks for the patience. Sorry for the extended intro this time, and enjoy the episode. What's your experience with the Souls games? Where did you start out at? Yeah, so I first became aware of Dark Souls uh, pretty shortly after its release, uh, late 2011. Uh, by this time, I had fallen pretty much completely out of gaming. Um, it used to be the thing that I was most into, uh, but then as I got a little bit older in my late teens, early 20s, I kind of just became interested in other things, and you know, games kind of fell by the wayside. And uh, by this time, 2011, I had an Xbox 360, and um, you know, I decided I was going to make a conscious effort to try to get back into games. So I uh, I picked up Skyrim because uh, that was like the hot game at the time, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I it was fine. Like I I had a good time with it. Uh, I generally enjoyed myself, but uh, you know, I just kind of had this nagging feeling like I just wasn't quite as engaged by it as i wanted to be and uh mm-hmm. i was talking with a friend of mine and he said well if you skyrim uh i've got a game for you my friend uh dark souls <laughs> and uh i had heard nothing about it uh at this point and he was kind of describing it to me and uh quite honestly i was <laughs> i was not really interested i was like in my head i was kind of like eh, I, don't, I think i'm kind of done with this epic fantasy stuff you know <laughs> i don't know uh uh did you do the thing where it was like it's really hard but you're really gonna like it it's really hard but you're really gonna like it yeah like he basically he basically went into just how and everything like that and i don't know i just uh, the way he described it just wasn't he wasn't really selling me on it and i I actually distinctly remember thinking also like dark souls that's a generic title like how good could it really be (laughs) Um, but uh, that's better than the uh, working title that they had, which was originally Dark Holes. Right, right, so. right. Yeah, I remember reading about the uh, the tortured naming history of Dark Souls, and they had like like dark race and all that, and they didn't they didn't really. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I kind of just put it out of my mind for a while, and uh, every time I would come back and talk to this particular friend, he would make it a point of bringing up dark souls and be like hey have you played dark souls yet and i'm like no no not really and finally like after months of this i uh i finally broke down and i bought it and this is like this is a while 
it like it was it was a while of him just like giving me tons of shit about not playing dark souls and uh uh i picked it up and uh in <laughs> like just 100 percent in uh <laughs> like i know i know a lot of people say they kind of bounced off of it um sure yeah but I, like for me i just i found the combat so fundamentally satisfying like even though i was dying a lot it was like i could see the light at the end of the tunnel to where like i just need to like get better at this and, and this is going to be really fun <laughs> Like, I could just, like, the way it was genius that way, it was like, you know, just teaching you little by little, like, you know, what you were doing wrong. Uh, so you you never got, like, frustrated with the controls or anything? Like, I got, when I first started playing Dark Souls, I was like, why does this, why can't I cancel out? And why, uh, I was all frustrated. Oh, yeah, with no, I definitely, with. yeah, there's definitely a learning curve with that. Like, I remember being really frustrated by the menus. Like, I didn't, like, I just didn't really, I didn't get it. I didn't understand iframe uh in fact looking back on it on my first playthrough it's little i understood anything about the game at all like i didn't understand any mechanics like anything at all i didn't understand humanity like what the hell's that i didn't understand carry weight at all like i just thought like if i put on the armor with the highest resistance then that was automatically better right um yeah sure, so i just had like the i just fat rolled the entire time i had like the world's tankiest build <laughs> that you could possibly imagine like I on me uh i didn't understand upgrades <laughs> like the upgrades was completely baffling to me uh in fact i remember uh at one point i actually i made a divine grass crest shield and uh I was, I was like, well i mean i'm upgrading it it must do something better right and like i had no clue what effect it had on it and i i told this to my buddy uh my, my dark souls buddy and he was just kind of like uh okay <laughs> good for you divine grass crest shield the way i went through the game was basically every couple of days i would call him up and just be like dude like fucking blight town right and he would just and he would just be like yeah man yeah <laughs> i know i know and uh he was really good about it because he sort of gently uh led me in the direction of some cool things without being very spoiled you know, really uh did the whole dark soul sherpa thing very well one other very important detail of my first dark souls playthrough was the fact that um i didn't have uh, any internet access at all through my Xbox. Um, so I was playing an unpatched version of the game. Oh, wow. Um, That's always exciting. <laughs> yeah, which anybody who's played unpatched Dark Souls knows that there are some very uh, notable differences uh, between the game that was originally released and some of the updates they made. Uh, for example, uh, you had far fewer bonfires that you could warp to. Um Mainly, the ones that I'm thinking of are the Undead Berg bonfire right above Andre there. Mm -hmm. uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't warp to that one, and you also couldn't warp to the bonfire that was um, in the Duke's archives, the ones that you used to, uh, the one that you used to run up to Seath. Yeah, uh, you could only you, warp to that first one, which was just a misery and a half. Yeah, absolutely. So if you if you decided that you needed to go and like you know, upgrade your equipment or, or do some soul farming or whatever. You had to go through the entire Deuce archives again. 
uh, which was just like just so ridiculous. Um, so yeah, the bosses unpatched didn't Dark uh, Souls. bosses didn't drop humanity either, and they dropped like far no. fewer souls. Like it was it was a pretty miserable experience. Yeah, yeah, bosses drop very few souls, um, and uh, they didn't drop. Yeah, like you said, they didn't drop humanity. They didn't drop homeward bones. Um, everything in the game had a had a larger aggro radius mm-hmm. um so that made certain parts of the game pretty hellish uh i'm thinking specifically of lost isolith um the dragon butts were way more aggressive uh in the unpatched version uh and it just and they would aggro to you from way far away and so it just completely it was a completely different experience going through lost isolate the second time when i um managed to to get a patch of the game uh it was it was a nightmare originally um <laughs> i actually bought a uh, a copy of i think i've said this on the podcast before but I, I bought a ps3 like collector's edition copy from a friend of mine specifically so that one day i can go through an unpatched version and and play it just like like the original the time it like the, exactly the way it was like 1.0 or whatever when it came out because i'm i've always been curious about it like i've read a bunch about how the the different what the differences are but actually playing through it i think would be quite an experience yeah there are actually some ways in which it's easier um the uh the split damage that you get from um infusing a weapon was actually really good like if you had a lightning or a fire weapon it was very 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 good um and also, uh, I didn't experience this, but I know that if you had the fog ring on, uh, nobody could lock on you, mm-hmm. and so it was like it was like the ring for PvP at that point. Um, <laughs> and then, and then of course, you hear all the legendary stories about you know uh, ninja flipping havels and all that sort of thing, which uh, I'm glad I missed out on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, ninja flipping havels is. In, in PvP was just incredibly obnoxious. I'm glad that, that 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 kind of stuff doesn't really exist in PvP anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, it was. I yeah, my my first playthrough of Dark Souls. It took me forever. Um, I did my best to not consult a guide or anything because I, I really, you know, I just I want I wanted to uh, I wanted to suffer. <laughs> I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> Wanted well, you to wanted to find it for yourself, right? Like that's always yeah. the thing. Yeah, like you want to. Yeah, like, in a game like this, that's if you're already if you're already buying into it like immediately, which it sounds like you did. Like the mystery of it all has got to be the most interesting thing. Like that's the most compelling thing. You want to figure everything out. Yeah, absolutely. Because your first time through the game, every new area you come to, you're just like, "Whoa, what the <laughs> hell's happening here?" Like it's just like the first time you go into the crystal caves, you're just like what is happening what is this yeah this looks nothing like i've ever seen before like it's it's totally insane yeah exactly and you you don't understand like you have no point of reference for the story so you don't understand like you don't you just don't get it and it's just like a complete like baffling mystery to you and it's 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 kind of cool you said earlier like the the mechanics kind of brought you in like you immediately kind of clicked with them and wanted to learn wanted to learn how to do them more like how long did it take you to get into the story side before you kind of figure out like Oh, this is what's going on. Uh, so my first time through the game, I picked up on exactly zero percent of the story. <laughs> um, i i didn't I didn't even know anything about the item descriptions. Like, I didn't even know that they existed. Like, I don't think I read a single item description. Uh, <clears throat> like, I, I it was just the game was working in ways that were just completely new to me. Like, I, I just totally didn't get it at all. 
And um, so immediately after I beat the game, like literally as the credits were rolling after beating Gwen, I decided to go online and look for some speed runs mm-hmm. just because I wanted to see like all the crazy shit that I had missed and see how people were at the game. And uh, I found Uber Goose's run at AGDQ of Dark Souls. And uh, <clears throat> sorry. And um, during that run, he sort of offhandedly mentions that Dark Souls has some of the deepest lore of any game he's ever played. And I was just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Like, what, like, where did you get it? Did you read yeah, the book? Was, was there a book that I'm missing? <laughs> yeah, like, what, what are you talking about, buddy? And uh, so I did a little digging, and that was how I found, um, you know, Vati and Epic Name Bro and all the all the real OGs who were doing the lore videos. And it just it blew my fucking mind, honestly. Just getting into all that stuff, like just seeing the level of detail that I had completely missed. Um, yeah, and it really finding out about the story of dark souls and just how intricate and, and well thought out it was, was like a real game changer for me. Um, you know, cause I'm, I am typically not really a story person when it comes to games. Uh, mm-hmm. uh my second favorite game series after dark souls is doom, you know, okay. like, <clears throat> like I'm just not like, there are very few game stories that have really engaged me. Um, so when I discovered that Dark Souls had this whole massive story underneath it and that I was being told a story in a way that I had never been told before, it was hugely exciting for me. Like that it really just like set my brain on fire. Like, you know, cause I, I'm, you know, I've, I've pretty obsessed with movies and stuff like that. And, you know, I've, I've written about film professionally a little bit and, you know, I'm always interested in the way that stories can be told. And, uh, like just being told a story in a completely new way. It was just really, really exciting. And uh, that was really the point at which Dark Souls made the shift for me from this is a game I really enjoy playing to uh, this is a thing that has meaning to me now. Like it it represents a level of thoughtfulness that I had been missing from games. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really great. That's really interesting to me like it 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 took like seeing like a speedrunner just like randomly saying like oh yeah this game has a great story and you like wait a minute what <laughs> and then researching all of that stuff do you um yeah exactly did, did you get into trying to like figure stuff out yourself <clears throat> no i uh not with dark souls one uh i was way too overwhelmed by it and there was already there was already a pretty substantial um you know um what do you want to call it? There, there was a pretty substantial um, community. base of knowledge. Yeah, there was a pretty like the community had already done a lot of work. Um, and had yeah, you said much... this was twenty thirteen. Yeah, this was like yeah, this was like early thir- twenty thirteen. By the time I had finally gotten around to it, so people had already sort of like formulated their lore theories and everything like that. Yeah. So um, I didn't do too much work uh, trying to figure it out um, <clears throat> for Dark Souls one, but. Uh, for Dark Souls 2, I definitely did. Like, that was one thing that I was really excited about uh, leading up to Dark Souls 2 was like, oh, man, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be, like, on the frontier of this thing, and I'm going to really, like, get through and uh, try to figure out the lore. And, of course, the Dark Souls 2 lore is utterly baffling. So, uh, <laughs> you know, try as I might, I couldn't, 
you know, I, I got a lot of stuff, but I couldn't quite piece it all together on my own the way that uh, I would have liked, um, you know, but of, but of course, uh, everybody came through with their their lore suppositions and, uh, you know, filled in a lot of the blanks for me. I like um, I had the same thought with Dark Souls, too. Like I was I was really ready to, like, go through the item descriptions and be like, I'm going to make notes. Like I had a I had a notebook beside me when I started that game for the first time. And I was like, I'm really going to get into the lore. <laughs> and uh I don't remember when it was like several years later, I was going through some stuff and I found that notebook and I had literally written down something like uh fire keepers at the beginning of the game, question mark. And I think that was the mm-hmm. only note that I took throughout the next <laughs> 40, 50 hours. <laughs> I just don't have a mind for that stuff. I just can't make myself like in the, like I think about it, but actually trying to figure it out is just beyond me. Yeah. I, I, it's funny you mentioned that cause I actually did write some stuff down too as well. Um, and I think, uh, I don't, I don't remember that much from it, but one of the things I remember was just like, uh, the rotten corpses, neato corpses. And that was it. <laughs> like, just like trying desperately to draw connections between dark souls one and two, you know, <laughs> that's really um, good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you had played it with the, the DLC intact and everything like that. at that point, like you played it kind of all inclusive at that point. Uh, dark souls one, you mean? Yeah. Uh yeah yeah I um I of course couldn't download the DLC right away because I I wasn't online. Oh yeah, but, um, I didn't even think about that. So when did you when did you pick the DLC up? Uh yeah, so I played through the game uh, a good couple of times um, before I actually got internet access, and um, once I did, I uh, you know I had never downloaded a DLC for a game before, and I always like the concept of it just always sounded kind of icky to me. Like oh they're really trying to gouge me, you know. And, I didn't really know what it was about. Like, is this just going to be like, oh, I'm going to get some new armor sets or whatever. And uh, so I did a little reading and everybody was just like raving about it. So I picked it up and it was just like, wow, <laughs> this is like, this is so much better than I ever imagined that it would be. <laughs> like the like um, Artorias of the Abyss is just so, so good from every conceivable standpoint. Yeah, it's it's. Like they they really set off their first DLC pack like just in an amazing fashion. Like I couldn't believe the amount of content, like the the craziness of the world. Like and it was and the yeah. and the boss fights. Like I was we actually had this conversation on Dark Insight uh, yesterday when we were recording for episode thirty one to go ahead and date and time this time we're recording I guess. But anyway, um, and we were like trying to count up the number of bosses in each DLC pack and like there's the Sanctuary Guardians. Artorias, Manus, Calamite, and then there's the dual Sanctuary Guardians. There's five yeah. boss fights in that game. That's and that, and just in the DLC. Like that's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's dark. Yeah, they they really laid the gauntlet with uh, Artorias of the Abyss. Um, you know, and they've just they've maintained such a really incredibly high um, standard of quality for all the DLCs in all of the games. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, and. Obviously, Bloodborne, that's another one with five bosses as well. I mean, yeah. uh, Old Hunter is just, like, it was just so incredibly additive. Like, it just, it added all these new bosses and gave you a bunch of, you know, a pretty diverse weapon set and just, like, really added to the story in a way that I didn't expect. Um, yeah, just, I mean, just absolutely great. And same with Dark Souls too. Like just across the board, just the DLC is uniformly amazing. Uh, I'm hoping that Dark Souls 3 will um, 
continue that yeah. tradition. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm really hoping that Ashes of Ariandel, you know, because we're recording this before the the DLC comes out. I'm I'm really hoping that it, it does a similar thing. Um, but yeah, we'll that's see. actually how we get how we got to talking about the number of bosses and the and Artorias of the Abyss is because apparently some people are already complaining about like the size and the scope and the price of the Dark Souls Three DLC. Like they're already complaining about it. It hasn't even come out yet. So we were we we're kind of just like talking about that. Like you know, from software has never failed us when it comes to DLC. Like every single thing that I've additional thing for their games that I've purchased has been fantastic. Like across the board. So like give these people a little faith. <laughs> don't don't just yeah. stop complaining yet. There's only two bosses, right? From what I hear. That's what I've heard, yeah. But I mean like that and that's that's one of the points of contention. Like, oh two bosses and you know, I don't remember even how much money it is. I bought the season pass when it came out originally, but like, you know, you we don't know areas we don't know npcs we don't know like right lore, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know weapons any of that stuff like i'm i'm insanely curious what the what this is going to be yeah we know nothing and uh you know if it follows the model of dark souls 3 then we'll probably get like you know maybe there won't be as many bosses but maybe we'll get some just gigantic areas with a lot of cool shit in them yeah, like, uh, if you think about it, like, the Undead Settlement has, you know, is a huge area with, like, one kind of off-to-the-side boss. If I get that, I will be 100% satisfied. <laughs> like, that's sure. that's all I'm really looking for, yeah. Yeah, look, at, at this point, I I, uh, I I trust FromSoft. Like, uh, I'm going to uh, remain incredibly excited until I am proven wrong, because they, they've just maintain an incredibly high standard of quality for the dlcs so <laughs> I, have a, I have a i have a joke i like to make about um namco just continuing to make the dark souls franchise without uh from software and it like i'm just <laughs> so into dark souls that like it would take dark souls 6 by the time that i'd be like okay i'm not gonna buy it on release this time guys i promise <laughs> i'm not gonna oh it, it would take them running it into the ground before i would just give up on it Oh, you would stop at Dark Souls six. I, I would stop at like Dark Souls like fifteen. Like I, I would, <laughs> like I would be, I would be chasing the dragon so hard. You know, um, playing the Solaire d- dating game that they released on the 3DS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. My life is in ruins. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I I know that they've said that there aren't going to be any more Dark Souls games, but uh, I I personally I find that impossible to believe just given the fact that the series is more popular uh now than it ever has been before and i think there's just way too much money on the table like we will get dark souls 4 um my only hope for it is that they sort of do something a little bit different and break out of this whole uh you know fire linking cycle and you have to go link the flame or not or blah, blah 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 like i think we've kind of run the course with that like i think that dark souls 3 definitely suffered from a little bit of uh fire linking fatigue you know sure. like yeah. I, I feel like that's i feel I, I just don't feel like they really have that many more ideas uh with that story so i would ideally like to see Something set in the Dark Souls world, but just something with a different focus. You know what I mean? Well, I don't need, like, I'm perfectly fine with the mechanics in Dark Souls 3. And I, I could definitely take a game that didn't necessarily, like, the fate of the world wasn't on my shoulders anymore. Like, I don't I don't necessarily need that. Like, I could just be a dude in this universe doing, doing a thing. Like, and you can tell a compelling story around that. Sure, yeah. Like, maybe you don't need the, the fate of the world to be at stake. Maybe you could have something with a little bit more... Um, you know, personal stakes, you know, mm-hmm. it's maybe something a little more character based. Um, 
I kind of doubt that that will happen, but that's just kind of my wishful thinking. And yeah, I mean, regardless of what happens with the stories of these games, um, the gameplay is always what's most important to me. Um, Absolutely. As, yeah. as long as, as long as those core mechanics are in place, then uh, like I'm always going to come back and I'm going to have a really good time, most likely. Yeah, the it, that stamina based, you know commit to your attack you know watch and learn you know take advantage of your enemy's weaknesses that kind of thing like just really really works from a gameplay standpoint and i have a hard time believing that they're going to move away from that like they spent what is 2009 is when demon souls came out so it's you know we're seven years into this thing now like i mean yeah they've spent so much time perfecting this that i, I have a hard time believing that they'll just walk away from it but i could definitely see them going in, a, in totally new directions and, and hope they do like i don't necessarily need dark souls 4 even though I can already see Namco doing like the D4 RK Souls thing. <laughs> you can already right. see that logo, right? Like you can totally see Namco doing something like that. Oh, yeah. But uh, I don't need that game. I think that Namco would probably want that game. But, you know, you could you could reboot the franchise. <laughs> like I wouldn't even care. Like we could, you know, they could fight, have us fight Gwen again. Whatever. I don't care. Just give me like <laughs> new levels and areas to explore. That's what I'm into. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Adventures of Young Gwen. The Adventures right. of Young Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> I've would, got. Uh, I would definitely. I would pop down sixty for that. A for sure. buddy of mine on Twitter. Uh, he's a former guest of the show. A guy named LT. He's all the time puts his Twitter handle as Young German and talks about like what right. German would be like when he was a young guy, and it just cracks me up every <laughs> single time. Like picturing you know, like young, you know, young G in Yarnum. Yeah, <laughs> it just yeah it's me very up. funny. Yeah, we don't we don't really get a chance to see uh, Dark Souls characters before they're fully formed. We only see them as like just like unimpeachable badasses uh it would be great to uh get sort of a, a baby dark souls the the problem with that is it would be like the whole game would end with like everybody super sad and depressed because that's how they are in <laughs> the dark souls game so like you would have like these like chipper childhood like my life is gonna be great and then it would end up as the crestfall at night like yeah exactly <laughs> the ending would be terrible right yeah, exactly. Like you would just be, you would be following Gwen's first, and he's like, "Yeah, this is great. We're royalty. We, you know, we've got all these lightning powers." And then it's like, "Fuck you, Dad. I'm going to hang out with the dragons. <laughs> We're going to be friends forever. Bye." <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, uh, I don't know. I'm still, I'm, I am cautiously optimistic about the future of Dark Souls. I would say. Yeah, I uh, you know you see them. They've already like very actively walked back the this is the last Dark Souls thing. Like they were doing that almost right after release and saying stuff like, "This is the last in in, in this series or like in this storyline." And like, but they're kind of leaving things open. And now yeah. I think Miyazaki in that last interview that came out just a couple of weeks ago basically said like, "Yeah, it's probably going to continue. I'm just not going to be like attached to it." So prepare yeah. prepare the, for the internet to explode for you know dark souls 4 which is really dark souls 2-2 and sure complaining yeah about the, the miyazaki touch and all that other bullshit yeah maybe dark souls 4 will have the uh the same kind of slavish devotion to uh dark souls 2 that dark souls 3 had to dark souls 1 yeah you know? i could live with that this could be like yeah. uh like the star trek movies right like so that every even numbered is a good one and every odd number is the bad one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, but yeah, real quick, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick break. I gotta go grab my dog again. Hold on one sec. Sure, sure. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. It would not be a podcast if my dog didn't interrupt it four or five times. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like every podcaster uh, deals with the same thing. Uh, like every podcast I listen to, if if they have an animal, like, like that animal will make an appearance at some point. 
Yeah, and now my my cat, which is who is usually really really super quiet and just kind of does his own thing in our back room, like now he started like being really really talkative all of a sudden. We can't figure out why. So now he's showing up on podcasts, and I'm like, he's, he's just so annoying. Shut up, cat. <clears throat> See, what you what you got to do is just uh, pull a Gary Butterfield and just make your cat uh, an internet celebrity. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just just embrace it, you know. <laughs> When we, um, my wife printed out like a picture of roars and, uh, when we went to Austin to meet those guys on during a live show, she held up like a big where's roars sign. <laughs> 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 That's, <pretty good. clears throat> That's so good. I know this is kind of a side note, but, uh, how, how was it, uh, meeting all those guys there? It's, it seemed like it was really fun. I actually, I saw your, uh, your periscope that you did of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I probably need to go delete that. We were all real drunk. Um, <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> <laughs> My wife, I think the next morning was like, that wasn't on the internet, right? And I was like, absolutely not. We were just doing that locally. <laughs> Nobody saw that. Um, it was really, really fun. Like, I, it's always kind of weird meeting people that you've talked to and, like, you know, joked back and forth with on Twitter and, like, done podcast with in person. Like, that's a real strange thing. But it, I, it all felt, like, supernatural. Like, everybody was kind of laid back and cool. And, like, there was no, you know, weird internet nerds. Like, that social awkwardness wasn't really there. So, Wow. We just had a we had a really good time. Like we hung out with them at the booth, and we went out a couple of times. Uh, we went out the night before the night of the Periscope, which was the official meetup night. And uh, yeah, just had a real good time. It was like kind of it's kind of like meeting old friends again. You know how well, like if you haven't seen like your the dude that you've known since you were a kid, and you kind of you know you meet up somewhere, and it's just like you fall right back into it. It was kind of like that, except we had just never met each other before. So sure, yeah, yeah. I shit. I I really hope that uh, at some point there's a. Uh some sort of duck feed uh, meetup closer to where I live. Cause uh, you know, I would, I would love to, uh, to shoot the shit with some of those guys as well. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a really weird thing, you know, just as a listener, you know, cause um, like I, I've listened to, I don't know Gary and Cole or anything like that, but like I've listened to them talk for literally hundreds of hours <laughs> and yeah. it's like, I just, I, <laughs> I feel like I know, I know more about them than I do like people that I'm legitimately close with in my life. So it's like, it's this very weird thing where like, I feel like if I were to meet them, it would be like really cool for me and then like super weird for them because I would be like, <laughs> I would be like talking to them like I know them, you know? I can tell you that um, having met them and like around a bunch of people like just the same way that I'd never met them before either and had not talked to them back and forth, but just like maybe on Slack or whatever, like they were so cool and gracious and laid back about everything. They were just like, oh yeah, hey, like everything, like they, you could tell that they weren't super awkward about it. So it just made everybody else comfortable too. So like they, they did really well. Like it was, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to meet Lobos Jr. That was really cool. Oh my God. That is, oh, that is a. Uh... That is that is something I, I'm a huge fan of Lobos Jr. Gary introduced me as the guy that runs Dark Souls Haters, and I was like, I wish you could said like literally anything else. <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah, meant, like that guy that like I don't know cheated on his girlfriend in the ninth grade, and I'd have probably been better. <laughs> right, or like you know Dark Inside or Dark Skeleton, just anything other than Dark Souls Haters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which which by the way, I love Dark Souls Haters. I'm just you know I can see why you're uh why you would be a little bit uh not not thrilled about that being your legacy yeah yeah, yeah absolutely like <laughs> four thousand something posts of you know basically just human garbage so that's that's, that's yeah. a good thing yeah uh, that's that's awesome that you met lobos i'm I've, I've been watching his stream for years i've i've been a sub for a long time and i uh very often at work i'll just have his stream just going in another window and i'll i'll check up and see what what kind of madness he's getting into 
Yeah, um, yeah. he's he's a, a super cool. I didn't talk to him very long, but like I've been, I'm a big fan of his too, and like been watching his streams forever and all that stuff. Um, did you see the picture, like the Dark Souls thing that they did? Like they had uh, him and Peeve and Jeremy yeah. Cone and like the like the who's who of Dark Souls streamers on. A Dark yeah, Souls they had panel. a they had a freaking Dark Souls streaming panel, which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> like I was, I, I saw pictures from it. I was just like, how can I go to that? Yeah, okay. yeah. I don't even know what TwitchCon is, but I would, and I probably wouldn't have gone anyway because I mean, like, I don't really need to go to a TwitchCon. Like, but <laughs> sure, yeah. I, it would yeah, pretty much, it would pretty much just only be going for Dark Souls streamers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was in San Diego, which which actually was realistic for me, like because it's only a couple hours away. But um, yeah, I just I couldn't justify like spending that much money and waiting on all those lines and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Lobos Junior. That that actually. Um, that actually brings up uh, something that is very relevant to me, which is challenge runs, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, something that I'm very into uh, and something that has given the games a lot of longevity for me. Uh, I'm, I'm very into to challenge runs, actually. Which ones? Like, what have you done? Uh, I've done a bunch. Uh, the only game I haven't done challenge runs for is uh, Demon Souls, just because, like, that's the one that I've, I like, I... I only played Demon Souls within the past like few months. Uh, like it's it's the most recent one that I have played. But I mean, I've done Soul Level One slash Blood Level Four uh, runs for all the games. Uh, I've done no healing runs for all the games. Um, probably, I would say the one that was the most intense was uh, Dark Souls Two, which by like. Dark Souls 2 for challenge runs is like by far the hardest in my opinion. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just really because, it's really tough. Yeah, just because there are certain things about that game that make it really really tough. Uh, for one thing, just the overall length of the game. Um, you know, I, I tend to do a lot of all bosses runs, and there are literally forty bosses, including the DLCs in Dark Souls 2. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so there's that, and then there's the whole, um, you know, your max health being drained thing, which when you're dying over and over and over again in a challenge run just makes it really, really tough. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, um, but yeah, my toughest run that I did was probably in Dark Souls 2, uh, and this was a run inspired by Lobos Jr., uh, where I did uh, New Game Plus 7, all bosses in the Champion's Covenant, um, which was just traumatizing like it took me forever to do uh, <laughs> that sounds incredibly tough uh yeah it was the dlcs like very nearly broke me um i had to i had to space it out like i would do it for a while and then i would put it down for a few days and then i would pick it back up again uh dude i i I, I salute you because there's no way that I would subject myself to that. Like, n- not in a million years would I subject myself to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a psychopath. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> I, uh, I, I definitely, um, like the the core mechanics of the game are just so appealing to me that even if I'm dying over and over and over again, I still just have fun playing the game. Like, the game just, even after hundreds and hundreds of hours, like the games just feel great in my hands. Still, you know, like. I, you know, and just making that incremental progress and just knowing that you're getting better and better and you're getting closer and closer to uh, completing the challenge is just like, it's a real, like, it's a real rush. Like, I really enjoy it. And then, you know, at the end of it, I'm pretty good at Dark Souls 2 now. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet, uh, uh, like, actually playing just a normal, like, no challenge run kind of seems 
if not, I mean, it probably doesn't seem dry, but it probably seems very freeing of like, oh, I can just level up my health and have a ton of health and I can take these hits and I can wear this armor and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I actually, the next run that I did after that was actually the uh, the no heal run, mm-hmm. which I thought which I thought was going to be really, really hard, but actually ended up being way easier um, just because like you, you, you actually have a margin for error. Like you can get hit a few times, you know, and you can level up your health bar and you can level up your weapons. So, you know, it's like, it's like running with 20 pound weights, you know, and then you, you take them off and you just feel like you're floating. It's that type, type of thing. Yeah. What do you think? Was that the toughest one that you've done? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was by far the toughest one. Um, I would say the next toughest after that was, um, Bloodborne, all bosses uh blood level four which is like the equivalent of soul level one that was very very tough mainly because of the dlc i was about to um, say like i was wondering if that would if you'd done that after the dlc came out because i'm thinking like orphan of cause at you know <laughs> yeah blood level four um, jesus yeah the game actually wasn't too bad until the dlcs um at that point it was just ridiculous. I mean, every every boss in the Old Hunters DLC took me an incredibly long time. Uh, Orphan of Cost was the hardest one for sure, and that one took me. I, I like I have no idea how many attempts exactly, but I would say probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 200 attempts on Orphan wow. of Cost. Um, and this was, and this is, you know, I'm, I was already very familiar with the game. Like I already, I had already beaten Orphan of Cost several times, but. At blood level four, you do so little damage and your margin for error of for getting hit is so small that it's just it can just be over like that, you know, and like learning how to not take damage during his second phase was just so trying. <laughs> like it was really, really tough. Yeah, um, I, can, I can beat his fa- second phase pretty consistently, but like it's not it's not real clean play. Like it's real, real sloppy. Like I'm eating blood vials and like I'm taking damage and because it sometimes it just feels like you have to trade to hit with him every once in a while unless you're just playing it super safe. Yeah. in in blood level four. Yeah, there really is no trading hits. It's it it's really it's just all about dodging. Like that's really what it is. It's just about it's about learning how to escape any variation of attacks that he might throw at you, you know, and that's, and that is a very trial and error type process. And, you know, it got to the point where I could like his first phase was no problem, but I would die within like 20 seconds of his second phase, like over and over and over again. Oh, that would um, be so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it, it was rough, but, um, you know, I, I finally did it. And, uh, just for anybody who's interested, um, you know, I, I do have a YouTube channel where I, I uploaded uh, my victories from that run. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Strenuous Orb. Uh, on, you can find me doing the Old Hunters bosses. Um, and then also, I think, Garmin. Okay. Uh, just the, luckily, luckily, Orphan Cost is like maybe my favorite boss. Um, so, uh it's uh even though he he killed me an awful lot i still i still have a lot of love for the orphan yeah he's a it's it's one of my favorite boss fights across the series if not like the epitome of like what i want out of a souls fight like a one-on-one no gimmicks super aggressive has weaknesses that can be exploited but not like over reliably so like if Lady Maria wouldn't be so easy to parry, like that would probably be my favorite fight. Like the same thing. Yeah. With, and same thing with German. Like 
German, Lady Maria, and Orphan of Kaz are probably my top three boss fights in the series. Not that anybody's ever asked me before, and I haven't really considered the list, but like, man, they are so fucking good. Yeah, I, I would like to see that list, actually. Um, but yeah, Orphan of Kaz, I would say probably... Uh, he's right up there with Maria, uh, I would say, as my favorite boss in uh, in Bloodborne, at least. Um, just, I mean, Orphan of Cost, just an absolutely incredible fight from every standpoint. Um, I I really love how serene the setting is. Like, you're just on this, you know, this barren beach and, you know, you've got the sun glowing in the distance and everything's very still. And, uh, you know, you've got the music that, that hits in right when you walk in and it's like that very spare melody. You know, like it's got the um, it's just the the single voice doing that, that rising, that rising and falling melody. And uh, it just it stands in really, really stark contrast to the just the utter insanity of that fight. Like he's just screaming bloody murder at you and hurling his placenta. And like just the it's just like, God, it's so good. It's just it's it's so fucking good. It's one of my like I said, it's one of my best boss fights of all time. But like the moment that he transforms, and the way that the music changes, and the way that his aggression basically like multiplies by ten in the middle of that fight. Like I'm not generally speaking, like the the end boss of Dark Souls three has two phases, and I'm I really dislike that fight for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah but the, I'm with uh, you. Yeah. For some reason, like this second phase, like just feels so good. Like it feels like the character, the not the character, but the boss has earned it. Responds with the full health bar for no apparent reason. Like I, I, oh, I really dislike that. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. I Soul of Cinder is um, to me hugely disappointing. Uh, at least from a lore standpoint, I actually think it's a pretty fun fight just as a fight. But just as an idea, I think it's actually incredibly lackluster. Like, you know, because it's I, I know uh, 
Gary Butterfield has brought this up uh, before, but it, the, he's not a character, and that's the problem. Like, yeah. it's not—it's not a thing that we can care about. It's just like this concept that is completely removed from everything that we've we've done before. That you know, it's not, and it's not even that interesting of a concept to me, really. Um, it's just—it's a real. I—I I, I was actually very surprised that FromSoft um, misstepped to that degree that boss um like just i just because you you know that they can do better right like you know that they have ideas but well, they do they do better in dark souls 3 <laughs> like there's yeah there's absolutely way better boss fights in, in dark souls 3 than that fight and it just seemed like and i know people get a lot of shit about fan service or using the, the term fan service or whatever but it's the the way that that second phase transforms into like the cookie cutter PVP builds and Dark Souls one like I absolutely see what they're doing and I really dislike it yeah like even at the time that it was happening like when, when like the first time I the, he changed and like became the sorcerer guy with the homing soul mass and I was like oh I see what you're doing here okay that's fine like everyone since the end of dark souls one has been saying like what if the end boss is like all of the people that leaked the fire from dark souls one ah! like everybody has been saying that and you just went ahead and did it in like the most boring way possible and i've yeah i've ranted rant about this before too but like when gwen's theme kicks in like that just made i was i think i literally rolled my eyes and like got hit because i wasn't looking at the screen anymore <laughs> like, it yeah was, it was bad. i was yeah exactly i just <sighs> Like not only does it not work just to try to invoke Gwen like that without in, without having earned it at all, but I just don't think that the musical cue works at all. Like I don't think I don't think that that piano riff, which I I really love, I just don't think it works at all with the theme that they had around it. You know, I like every time I hear it, it still sounds awkward and forced to me. I keep people keep telling me to listen to it outside of the game and to and I and I still haven't done it despite it's been like months since Star Souls three came out now and I I just been too lazy to do it really but like I I'm sure it works fine like outside of the game but when it happens in the game I oh man it I just I just don't like it I didn't like the mix I didn't like like just like you're saying like it just doesn't seem to go and to take such a simple beautiful like melody. And then to layer it on top of like this huge bombastic chorus thing, which is like ninety percent of the music in Dark Souls Three, like just mm-hmm. did not, yeah, just turned me off entirely. And that too, yeah. I don't know why I'm going to apologize about this, but like I love Dark Souls Three. Like, don't get me wrong, I, <laughs> I love it a lot. I just, mm-hmm. man, like when it's, I guess it's it's one of those things where like you love something so much that even when it just messes up a little bit, it feels like a betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> like exactly exactly you would forgive like, like if it was a game that i didn't really care for that much i would forgive it a lot more because i don't care about it sure yeah and let, let's face it we're, we're spoiled as dark souls fans like we we've we've got we've grown accustomed to a pretty high standard and uh like when the game when the game just blatantly lets you down like that it just it stings more than than uh than other games i would say um but yeah i remember you know I remember you talked about on Dark Insight once about how you felt kind of bad that, you know, even though you really love Dark Souls 3, every time you talk about it, it kind of had like a negative tone mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely I, I definitely relate to that. Like, I feel the same way. Like, even though I, I love Dark Souls 3, like, incredibly fun. And I think in, in some ways it um, it's the best in the series in terms of doing certain things, particularly like gameplay mechanics and stuff. but it's just 
I don't know. I think I think the reason that I I feel the need to compare it to Dark Souls One so much is that it just it it begs you to compare it. You know, like it takes literally the exact same characters and concepts and situations and puts them in front of you again. And it oftentimes it doesn't do so in a way that is particularly additive or interesting. I think, um, and it just it feels like it's it's reaching for your heartstrings in a way that it just doesn't really earn, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for that reason, it just certain parts of it feel kind of icky. Like it's, it's a, it's a great game to, to pick up and play. But I think when you really sit down and, and really analyze some of the, uh, the story elements of it, I, I just, I think it, it doesn't really, it doesn't hold up as well. Uh, as the other games, uh, you know, even though I have I have issues with the Dark Souls Two lore as well, uh, I still I still feel like um, the approach that they took is one that I prefer. I, I there, there's a hypothetical Dark Souls One sequel in my mind that sort of like marries the two approaches together, like somewhere between like just vaguely alluding to the first game and just like being slavishly devoted to it. Like you know, there would have been, you know, I would have been happy with that. Like maybe. Dark Souls 2, but instead of all this bell tower bullshit, like maybe you throw in some stuff about like, you know, the, you know, Gwen and his family, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's room in the middle as there usually is. And like, I, I really, it took a long time and I, I mean, it's been talked about a lot on various podcasts, but it took a long time for me to come around to Dark Souls 2 story. And when I finally did, I like, I, I landed at a spot where I really, really appreciate it. Like that, the weird kind of offshoot branching story paths that they do like the just like here's this like little enclosed short story that doesn't really have a any kind of impact on the main game it's just this one little thing that we wanted to tell like i think that's really interesting to do in a game like dark souls but yeah when you have the number two after a title like you kind of expect more ties to the first game but then like when people complained about that on the internet they went so far in the other direction that now people are complaining about that and i don't mm-hmm. i don't envy from software i don't know how much they look at this stuff i'm sure they have somebody on their staff who's like paid to collect information and like try to present this stuff back to the developers but man i don't envy those people at all like we're trying to read responses because it can't it can't be fun to hear like dark souls 2 sucks and now you know they make dark souls 3 the opposite way and they're like dark souls 3 is terrible dark souls 2 is amazing now like it's yeah. gonna be so frustrating yeah i i suspect that they do really pay attention to the fan response mm-hmm. which in a way is great um and in another way, I kind of wish they didn't because they tend to, when the fans complain about something, they tend to just go so far in the other direction that it's it's kind of ridiculous, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I've, I've really grown to appreciate Dark Souls 2 uh, from a lore perspective, uh, even more now that Dark Souls 3 is out. Um, I still don't love it. Uh, there are like it's for dark souls 2 it's like they took the approach that they had in dark souls 1 which is like laying out this timeline and then just like extracting certain chunks of it and just leaving a certain amount of mystery they took that same approach to dark souls 2 but it's like they just didn't have as good a sense of like what what to leave out and what to keep in in my opinion mm-hmm. you know like i th- like I kind of think we need to know what the deal is with Vendrick and the Giants and all that stuff. Like, 
it's it's like what's interesting is there but it's not it's not quite as good as it could have been yeah it's really telling that you know we have three games with the name dark souls in the title and um i've got a a friend of mine that's putting together some some lore videos and i'm helping her out with them and she, she wants to do this thing on the royal family and literally has not played dark souls 2 is not planning on playing dark souls 2 and like making these lore videos and just completely ignoring like the middle game because it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the stories he's trying to tell which is right. mind-boggling to me <laughs> like it's just yeah. mind-boggling yeah it's yeah it's true yeah you, you can't blame her right mm. yeah well nicholas man i i was kind of planning on going through all of the games and we just kind of started talking but i think this was a great chat thank you very much for coming on the podcast yeah, thanks a lot, Jeremy. It was a great time. Can you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Sure, yeah. You can uh, follow me at Twitter, at StrenuousOrb. Uh, sometimes I tweet about games, uh, most of the time not, uh, but that's where you can find me. And also, like I mentioned, uh, on YouTube, I've started uploading um, you know, some some uh, pieces of my challenge runs, so you can find me there as well. Okay. And I'll drop links to all those in the show notes. Cool. Um, as always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find this podcast on Twitter, DGUS Podcast. You can find this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and just about every social network I've been able to find. Just look up Don't Give Up Skeleton and you'll probably find me. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. And remember, don't give up, Skeleton. All right, I like how you added that uh, Don't Give Up Skeleton there at the end. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you know Richard from the Burnout Wizards podcast, but he, uh, mm-hmm. we were talking and he's like,